Don't you breathe purple and gold? Are you ready to hoist the colors? Now, time for the most in-depth look at the world of ECU athletics. Welcome in to Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. Watch the show live on Facebook and at 94.3thegame.com. Now, here's your host, Stephen Igo. All right, welcome into this Tuesday, May 30th edition of Voice the Colors on 94.3 The Game. An exciting week as we have East Carolina regional coverage for you on this station. Coming up Friday, 7 o'clock, the Pirates will open play in the Charlottesville Regional against the Oklahoma Sooners. Of course, they're paired with Virginia and Army as well. We're going to talk about the selection process, ECU heading to Charlottesville, our thoughts on it, and so much more. We're going to discuss the field of 64. As always, we're live on YouTube, live on Facebook, live on the IBX Media app. If you haven't downloaded it yet, go download it now. Search IBX Media in your Play Store and download it to get all access to all of our shows on Interbanks Media. If you got a question for us on who you think ECU should pitch Friday or what about uh, you know, the, the draw, the potential super regional draw, drop it in on YouTube and Facebook. We'll get to it throughout today's show or tweet it myself. Or Philip Pilkington, the ref, he's in studio alongside. And, Philip, we, we finally have a, a regional to preview, man. It seems like we've been talking about, well, ECU host. If they don't host, where will they go? And we finally have some answers. The Pirates are heading to Charlottesville. Yeah, it, it has seemed like the conversations this year lasted even longer than they had in, in years past, I guess, because ECU was on the bubble for hosting this year, maybe more so than regions past. But I think uh, kind of what we expected, that they're going to an ACC school with how many Power 5-2 seeds. I really didn't see them going to Conway just because you figured they would want to throw them in ACC too, which, of course, they did. So um, I have to say I'm not really shocked that they ended up in Charlottesville. Yeah, that's the thing is I uh... – I predicted on, on my Hoist Colors podcast last week they would end up in Charlottesville, but I don't know if I really believed it. I guess it made sense from the standpoint of, like like you said, as an ACC school, they're probably going to get a you know a team like East Carolina. Um, you obviously, an ACC school can't go there because you're not allowed to have two of the same teams in the same league go to a regional. But I just felt like Maryland or West Virginia would go there, but instead you get Maryland. Uh, going to Wake Forest and West Virginia going somewhere else. I can't remember where off the top of my head. We'll get into the, the rest of the field coming up. But ECU and Virginia, man, it just seems like for whatever reason the NCAA loves to put these two teams against one another in postseason play. It's been, uh, you know, the only time ECU's ever won a road regional was at Virginia in 2016. Of course, everybody remembers the Travis Watkins walk-off in the winner's bracket game. They actually ended up beating William and Mary the four seed in the championship game after William and Mary eliminated Virginia in that regional. So good vibes going to Charlottesville. And, and last year we also saw Philip Virginia come to Greenville as the two seed. So now you kind of have a role reversal there. A lot of the same players on both sides and these two teams scrimmaged each other this past fall. And Cliff Godwin is good friends with, uh, you know, Kevin McMullen, the associate head coach at Virginia. He has ECU ties. So, a ton of ties, and we'll get into, of course, ECU's got to beat Oklahoma to even think about Virginia, but um, just a, a very familiar foe, which I don't know if that's a good, bad, or, or indifferent thing. What's your take on that? You know, it's. I think it's a good thing for the hitters of both teams. I don't necessarily think it favors one team you know, over the other. It just comes down to the fact that 
when in history in baseball, college baseball, professional baseball, whatever it may be, when you've seen a pitcher, you've seen his stuff, you do better. So I think it's a, a good thing for the people that like to see a lot of runs scored. Josh Thomas comments on Facebook. He says, I really like the draw. Seems like the most favorable we've had in a while. Super excited for the weekend. We will be headed up Friday morning. Yeah, a lot of ECU fans making the trip, it seems like. Philip, uh, I'll be there for Hoist the Colors and covering it and also you know, provide some coverage for 94.3 the game. Of course, 94.3 will be having the, the, the live broadcast with Scott Rogers and Coach O. I believe Coach O will be there. If not, he may be on assignment for the NCAA. But either way, Scott Rogers will be there this weekend in Charlottesville, and uh, it should be an exciting weekend. Let's talk about Oklahoma, too, Philip, and we'll get more into the Sooners later this week. We're actually going to have uh, an Oklahoma beat writer and a Virginia beat writer join us later this week as we get closer to regional play to really break these teams down. But OU was, I think, the next to last team in the field, and they were also the national runner-up a season ago. They uh, they made the championship game. They lost two games to Ole Miss in the championship series. But tremendous program, tremendous pedigree. You look at their numbers this year, honestly, not too impressive. Uh, they're, they're not that far over 500. They went under 500 in Big 12 play. They don't really have a lot of big boppers in the lineup, but they do walk a lot and steal a lot of bases. But certainly a, a tough opening game. You know, there have been times ECU's had a 2-3 matchup that's a, a little bit easier. Um, but I think OU talent-wise should be as talented as any team ECU's faced in a while in a 2-3 matchup. It's just... Uh, I, I do think, though, overall, it's a very winnable game for the Pirates. It all comes back to playing their game at the end of the day, Philip. It does. And, you know, the interesting thing is sounds like Oklahoma kind of plays ECU's game as well. You mentioned, you know, they don't have the power. They do play a little more small ball. So, And I think that can benefit ECU. You know, these guys see it every day in practice because I'm sure Cliff Godwin likes to practice the way he plays just as any coach does. And like you mentioned, there are a lot of similarities. I do think ECU is better on paper. But also the one thing that you kind of got to give a nod to Oklahoma to is their tournament experience. Of course, the Pirates have had plenty of it. All these guys that are on the roster now have never failed to make a Super Regional. But these Sooners, and even though it might not be the same lineup as a year ago, you know they know that they were in the National Championship last year. They know they were the runner-up, and um, something about experience shows a lot for that. So I think they're probably, I guess, even is what I'm, I guess, more what I'm getting at, where you don't have a team who's just happy to be here. Yeah, maybe Oklahoma, when they first saw their name, they were happy to get in because, like you mentioned, they're the second-to-last team in the tournament. But at the end of the day, I think that, um, you know, just initial little burst of excitement for getting in will slip will slip away very fast just solely because of the fact that it is a program that was already in Omaha a year ago. So I don't think that this is a huge favorable matchup for ECU, but I don't think it being a bad thing either. I think you got two teams that are going to go in expecting to win on Friday night. By the way, 7 o'clock, first pitch, ESPN2. I think that might be the only evening game scheduled to be on a linear network for ESPN. So big-time spotlight right out of the gate. All these regional games, and this is the one that is slated for ESPN2, so significant news there. If you're not making the trip, you'll be able to watch it on national television. But I think... Yeah, you said it best. ECU has been to three straight Super Regionals. Oklahoma just went to the College World Series and finished as a runner-up. 
both these teams are going to go in expecting to win. Uh, I expect both teams to lay it all on the line, play good baseball. This time of year, both head coaches are really good. They're going to get their team's mindset right. They're going to play their best brand of baseball. And it's simply going to come down to execution. Uh, and we'll get into does ECU throw a trade Savage or do they try to save you Savage? Do they pitch him out of the bullpen with the way he's been throwing out of there, coming out of the conference tournament? So there's a lot to diagnose on what East Carolina is going to do. And OU has a lefty starter, Braden Carmichael, who's got good numbers. You would expect him to go on Friday night against the Pirates. So we'll get into some of that here shortly. But one thing I do want to mention, Philip, is, and, and this is looking ahead, but, hey, this is what we do. You know, we're in the media. We're hosting an hour sports show, uh, talk show, five times a week. So we got to talk about something. Let's talk about a potential super regional matchup we, we, you know, so often in the past, ECU has had favorable regional draws. Now, the issue is this year you're on the road, and the odds are stacked against you to win a road regional. ECU has only won one road regional in its history. So the odds are stacked against you. But if East Carolina can survive and, and exit the Charlottesville regional, I think this path to Omaha is as favorable as any path in some time. Even if Coastal Carolina, the regional that's paired with Charlottesville, ends up winning, I like ECU's chances going to Conway to win a series. But also, I, I could easily see Duke, and I wouldn't rule out UNCW as a three-seed winning these Coastal Carolina regional. And if that happens and if the Pirates somehow advance, you could be hosting a Greenville Super Regional against Duke or UNCW. There's a lot of factors there, but I, I just feel like this is the path if the Pirates can find a way to get through this regional, it, it's it's right there for the taking. Uh, and, again, we're looking ahead, but I think it's uh, – how can you not? I mean, how can you not look ahead, Philip? I think you have to. You know, Pirate fans have asked for this for a while. It's like, when are we going to finally catch that break in the NCAA tournament? And I think the Pirates have caught that break. Now, obviously, they have to go out there and win. You know, if you don't win this weekend, nothing, none of this matters. But – I'm going to agree with everything you said right there. Look, Coastal, they're a darn good baseball team, but they're beatable, you know. Um, and then, you know, Duke, obviously, unfortunately, we lost them early in the year, but Duke's not playing their best baseball right now. And, you know, they're another team who's never been to Omaha, despite very seldomly hosting. They are kind of like the Pirates. They like to get to regional or to super regionals. They don't do as much when they get there. Obviously, like you mentioned, you see UNCW probably is playing their best baseball right now as they just won the Colonial Athletic Conference championship over this past weekend. But I definitely think this is the most favorable you've had in a long time. You're not playing that team. We were kind of mentioning it before. You know, last year, Texas. Um, I don't know if they were that team, but they had all the power in the world, and they could hit a home run, you know, one through nine. Obviously, with playing Vanderbilt, you had to deal with both Rocker and Lighter, and they obviously kind of they fizzled out once the World Series came in, but we only had to play them two games. And as long as Vanderbilt was only playing two games in a weekend, they were practically unstoppable. And then you go back to the Louisville Super Regional a few years back, and kind of the same thing as Texas last year where they just scored runs. And I don't think you have as a dangerous, of a team in that Conway Regional as those last three Super Regional teams the Pirates have faced. Therefore, it's not not saying if we win this weekend, we're going to Omaha by any means, but you, like you said, you have the best chance to get to Omaha than you've had in a long time, probably since going down to Lubbock in, uh, was it 2016? Yeah, and I think the, the biggest thing is you, you, you're going to have to go through a national seed more times than not to, to get to Omaha, and ECU will have to go through Virginia, you know, in order to do that. But I do feel like it's almost easier to do that 
in a regional setting than a super regional setting because obviously super regional is just one on one, you know, mano a mano. In a regional, you can get some help. Like we saw it in the last time ECU was in Charlottesville. A lot of it comes down to that winner's bracket game. The ECU realistically to win this regional, they're going to have to start two and zero. Uh, they did, and they knocked off Virginia with the Travis Watkins walk-off home run. At that time, Virginia was even a higher national seed. Uh, ECU had to go to Texas Tech, which was a lower-seeded team at the time, but still a host team and, in my opinion, better talent-wise than what Coastal Carolina has. So, And it was halfway across the country, so I feel like that was still a tough, tough matchup, even though ECU almost made it to Omaha that particular year. But I don't think it's a coincidence that ECU, by virtue of winning that road regional, was as close as they've been to Omaha, at least 90 feet away. Obviously, we can talk about last year as much as it pains us yeah. with a, uh, what, 7-2 to lead. But either way, you just got to find a way to, to, to survive this, and I think it all comes down to winning the first two games. And that's easier said than done um, because, that uh, you know, more times than not, the Saturday night game in a regional is the de facto championship game. It's just so hard to come out of the loser's bracket and win three straight games. Definitely as the road team, but um, as the home team, maybe you can do it. But as a road team, you almost have to get up 2-0. So um, i tell you what, let's take our first break. We'll get into the discussion on the other side, Philip, about who should ECU throw. Do you mess around and try to save you, Savage, for this potent Virginia offense, which leads the country in batting average? We'll talk about that. We'll answer any questions you guys have on YouTube and Facebook. And also, we're going to hear from a few players, Josh Moylan, Carter Cunningham, and Jacob Jenkins Coward. I caught up with them one-on-one at the selection show yesterday. So we'll have all that for you on the other side. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Everything you need to know in the world of ECU athletics. This is Hoist the Colors with Stephen Igo on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into our show, Tuesday, May 30th edition of Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Philip Pilkington in studio with me, we're discussing ECU's regional draw. We'll get into the field of 64 later, a little bit of, uh, you know, kind of what we like about the field as a whole outside of ECU. Of course, we'll talk about East Carolina, their matchup all week. We'll talk with Oklahoma and Virginia beat writers. Maybe we'll even try to find somebody who covers Army baseball as well. Uh, we had a question, Philip. We'll get to our audio here shortly of, of uh, a couple ECU players. But Josh Thomas on Facebook wants to know, does ECU being ranked higher than Duke in the D1 baseball poll mean they are a higher two seed, I guess, in terms of hosting a potential Super Regional if both teams win at their respective sites? My understanding is, and, you know, we can get Coach O to talk about this, and I'll try to check with some sources if it comes to this, but my understanding is it basically goes to the highest bidder where it comes down to what the NCAA wants. So, you would have whatever Duke bid to host a Super Regional weeks ago, whatever ECU bid to host a Super Regional weeks ago. Uh, the NCAA would look at all that data and essentially make the decision. I find it hard to believe the NCAA would not give it to ECU as an on-campus venue with a better fan base. The only thing that gives me pause there is maybe with the Durham Bulls being on the road, if the Durham Bulls would even let Duke host, maybe they look at it as, hey, we have a chance to make more money in Durham with a bigger crowd. Uh, I think the big thing is either way, Philip, it would be uh, very pro-purple regardless of the venue. I don't know how many Duke baseball fans there actually are. Yeah, I, I definitely think it'd be pro purple. And you know, you mentioned the DPAP thing, possibly having a bigger crowd. If the NCA could make more money, obviously they're in there here to make money, regardless of what they tell you. They could definitely put it at DPAP if 
in fact, that Duke was allowed to play at DPAP. The, the Durham Bulls let them. But, you know, you mentioned an interesting point there, the on-campus site. The NCAA, I think, really does put a lot of stock in the appearance that happens on TV. And you're not going to have that look in a minor league AAA ballpark that you would have of the people going nuts in the jungle every time ECU hits a home run as you putting it in Clark LeClaire Stadium. So I would hope the committee would turn that or take that, excuse me, into consideration. And I really think they will. I I mean, if I had to put money on it, I really would bet if it was Duke and East Carolina that we would host the Super Regional. But like you said, you never know. And, yeah, they don't really do it based off a higher ranking. You would think theoretically we were a lower two because we're facing a higher seed. But, um, you know, I, I don't really know. And obviously you mentioned there the, the baseball poll were, were higher than them, but I don't think the committee takes the D1 baseball poll into any consideration. So it would really be interesting to see what they did. Hopefully, hopefully it comes to that. Hopefully this really comes to fruition next week. It would be an awesome... Scenario. I think they announced officially the Super Regional sites Tuesday morning. So hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully we have that scenario. Um, or if VCU has to go to Coastal, then so be it. I mean, that would be a great scenario, too, for the Pirates. All right, let's get to some of this audio. We, I believe we got it queued up. Uh, we got Clark and Chris producing. We will start with Josh Moylan. I caught up with him one-on-one after the selection show on Monday. The Pirates had just found out they were going to Virginia. And Josh is a uh, Maryland native, so he's familiar with these parts. Uh, here's our conversation with Josh Moylan from Monday. All right, here with Josh Moylan. Josh, I'll just find out where you're going, just your initial thoughts on it. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited. You know, postseason baseball is great. And when you when it's a team you've played before, you know, obviously it's fall inner squads, that kind of thing. But, you know, when you, you're familiar with a team and you have to go somewhere, it's, it's honestly not a bad spot to go to. And uh, I know I'm excited. I'll have some family there because I'm not too far. But, yeah, it should be good. Just the what, what was it kind of like today? You know, you've hosted every other year. You've been in this spot to to not maybe know where you're going. Like, were there a little more nerves? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's not really nerves. I think we all kind of knew we were going to be in. It's just more of where we're going. But yeah, I mean, it's honestly, I think I might have taken it for granted hosting the regionals and all. You know, you you see your you don't see your name popping up on the host site. You're like, oh man, that's a reality. But we've been fortunate enough to be able to do it for a while now. And you know, I know our fans travel well, and it's it's you know, it's kind of nice that it's in Virginia. I think we'll have a good amount of fans there but yeah I know we're all excited you've been hitting the ball well the, this last month or so even before then but what we'll just click for you to play down the stretch here yeah I mean just trying not to let you know postseason baseball get to you don't worry about you know kind of the results of things and just going in and continuing to do what you've done all year I mean it's the whole team's been been good about that we're just going in and continuing to have fun like we have the whole season it's uh it's getting to crunch time but I know we'll be good Y'all had a long run in Florida. I mean, playing in South Florida, then in Clearwater. Like, how important is it to get your feet back under you this week before you hit the road again? Because y'all have been on the road a lot. No, I mean, it's, it's nice to get some uh, sleep in your own bed when you've been in hotel rooms for two straight weeks. But, yeah, it's good. We're taking these next couple of days, just get some lifts in, light practice, and then we'll, we'll be on the road in, in, uh, in Virginia for our NCAA practice and ready to go on Friday. Lately for East Carolina, he is uh, he's up to now 15 home runs on the season, which leads the team, also leads the team in slugging with 604 uh, percentage there. We'll talk to another Pirate here, Jacob Jenkins Coward. We caught up with him. Of course, this is his second year in the program. 
uh, as a freshman standout freshman year last year, has been up and down a little bit down the stretch here these last few weeks, but had a couple of big hits in the tournament. So here's our conversation with Jacob Jenkins Cowart from yesterday. I here with Jacob Jenkins Cowart. Uh, JC, you just found out where you guys are going. Just your your thoughts on it, man? Yeah, excited to go there. Um, obviously, hey, I have some have some history with them. Uh, I think was it 17? We won the regional there. 16. 16. Think, yeah. 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 And then uh, we had him here last year, so we also uh, played him in the fall scrimmage this fall. So we've got a good relationship with them, but uh, it'll be good to go there. And then I'm sure you don't know a ton about Oklahoma, but just when you see kind of that brand pop up, that'll be the opening game. And I don't know, you excited maybe to experience something different. I'm sure y'all wanted to host, but just to go on the road. Yeah, maybe. yeah. I mean, um, it, it's definitely different not hosting because I mean, that's what we're used to here. Um, but, yeah, it's exciting. It's just, you know, seeing some new faces, playing some different teams. Uh, Oklahoma's far away, I think. <laughs> I've never been that far, so. But yeah, I'm excited to play them. Y'all have been on the road so much lately. I know early in the year y'all struggled on the road, but have been playing a lot better and winning a lot of true road games and winning neutral side games. How much do you think that'll help confidence-wise having them? Absolutely, uh, I think it'll help a lot. Um, once we, you know, we got to do we have, we have to do our best to basically take our dugout on the road with us. So basically, you know, keep our energy levels. Just pretend like every, everything's a home game. Play every way, pray, play every day the same way, and we're fine. So you kind of know two pirate nations going to travel, have you guys Absolutely. back. What does that mean? Yeah, that means the world to us. We know that uh, we have one of the top fan bases in the country, and they're definitely going to head to Charlottesville. There's Jacob Jenkins Cowart, sophomore outfielder, who is uh, going to I think have a, a very big part of this postseason run if the Pirates go on one. Let's talk to, lastly, our third player, Carter Cunningham, uh, Virginia native. He actually went to the same high school as Zach and Jake Agnos, so you have that connection. It's his second year in the program, and Carter actually leads the team in batting average now. At 324 overall, eight home runs. He's been on a tear here this second half of the season. Has a good eye at the plate, 439 on base percentage, so I know Carter uh, very well-spoken young man. I actually had to give him a hard time about his walk-up song before the interview. Uh, I've had a few tweets about that in the past. But I uh, had a good conversation with Carter Cunningham. Here is that talk uh, from yesterday's selection show. I hear with Carter Cunningham. Carter, you guys found out where you're heading to Charlottesville, Virginia. Just you're, I know you're a Virginia guy, so you got to be excited about that. Yeah, it's, it's about an hour and a half from home, so I should get some friends and family there. I also played uh, summer ball in Charlottesville this past summer, so I'm familiar with the area. Uh, we're super excited. Coach Calvin says, you know, we don't really care who we play, when we play, where we play. Uh, as long as we play our brand of baseball, we'll, we'll be set. Definitely different vibes this time compared to last year just because y'all weren't hosting this year and it's been so long since you hasn't hosted. So was it different at all kind of coming into the building today, not knowing where exactly you guys were going? Yeah, I mean, last year was my first year here, obviously, and then obviously we, we have a, a great track record of hosting. Um, there, the vibe was a little bit different, but overall um, – you know, like I said, we don't care where we play, who we play. Uh, as long as we play our brand, uh, we'll be set. Um, I'm, I'm, we're super excited that that we're still playing and have this opportunity to to go into a you know another place and get some wins. You guys have been on the road a long time, South Florida, and to the tournament. So how important is it to kind of get your feet under you this week? Yeah, no doubt. This week's going to be huge for rest and recovery. Um, it's, it's funny. I think a lot of the guys were excited to go to Florida and have that trip. And then towards the end of the trip, we're like, man, we can't wait to get home and sleep in our own beds, get get our own treatments, uh, treatment room and, and all that stuff. But this week's huge for just resting and recovering and, and being our best this weekend. You've been hitting the ball really well lately. What has clicked for you at the plate? 
just making some minor adjustments, working with Coach Galvin and, and Colby Bortles, and then obviously sticking to the approach that they that they put together for us. It, it, it's huge. Uh, the guys in front of me and behind me have been doing a, a phenomenal job, making my job a lot easier. Um, I'm, uh, I'm I'm hitting in between Starling and Moylan right now, so obviously those guys are ripping the cover off the ball too. So my job's been a lot easier because of them. And then lastly, just the familiarity with Virginia. I know y'all have to, you know, obviously face Oklahoma first, which isn't an easy game, but y'all scrimmaged them, y'all played them last year, so it's kind of a unique feel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're definitely familiar with them, um, which which makes it even more exciting. Um, I'm excited because I think we'll get a <clears throat> we'll get our fans there. Um, it should be a, a great environment, a great atmosphere uh, playing at uh, at UVA. But obviously, yeah, there's some familiarity there, and uh, we're excited to to continue to rekindle that flame. That's Carter Cunningham after yesterday's selection show. Also have comments from Cliff Goblin up on the 94.3 The Game Facebook or uh, YouTube page and also the uh, Hoist the Colors YouTube page. So if you want to check out Cliff Goblin's comments, you can check that out as well. But those are our one-on-ones with the players from yesterday's selection show post-get-together as well. So uh, Philip Pilkington back in studio. Philip, I've been asked this question a lot, and uh, I'm curious your take on it. And to me, it's always one of the, I don't know, most fun discussions to have is how do you approach the pitching situation going into a regional? Because obviously you got to win the first game to have a chance to win the regional realistically. But a lot of people say, hey, if you can't beat whoever you play in the first game with your number two or number three, you're probably not going to deserve to win the regional anyways. You're not going to win it anyways because then you got to face Virginia. So some people are saying save Trey Savage for game two. Some people are saying you have to throw Trey Savage for game one against Oklahoma. Um, I go back and forth on it. You know, I trust the coaches to make the right decision for ECU to win the tournament. Cliff Godwin in the past has played to win the tournament. And the other factor of this too, Philip, is Trey Savage – you also could just make the decision to, to keep him in the bullpen if you want to and use him for multiple games. So I think all this is on the table, and I'm really fascinated to see how it plays out. Yeah, I think one of the most interesting things that's going on here is I've always kind of believed in that if it isn't broke, don't fix it. And what I mean in this situation by that is the amount of days that a guy rests. Players or pitchers, starting pitchers, are used to resting X amount of days. Here's the crazy thing. Josh Groves and Trey Savage both threw last Friday. What I loved about Trey Savage, he proved that he has got, you know, the stamina to go out there. He threw five and two-thirds innings. So he is back to being in that starter role. And I think that's what makes this question maybe even harder than it normally is. So, in my opinion, to answer everybody's thing, I guess you'd like to have your best stuff against the best team, but at the end of the day, I mean, if you don't win the first game, you know, you're really behind the eight ball. So I think you got to go out there and throw your best guy. Now, if Coach Godwin thinks, hey, Groves has been healthy lately, Groves is my best guy right now, then I think you throw Josh Groves. If Trey Your Savage is your best guy right now, you throw Trey Your Savage. They're both going to be on a full week's rest. Uh, like I said, Trey's proved he's got that stamina back. So, you know, I don't know. And who knows, even if you win, you may not see the Virginia Cavaliers in the winner's bracket. You never know what might happen in that other game. I mean, we lost to Quinnipiac back in 2018 in the first game. So, you know, one seed's do fall. 
an Army is a legit four seed. I mean, they're no slouch. They have not played a very tough schedule, but they are a top 100 RPI team. So it's not like not like Virginia's getting a cakewalk um, that first game. And they kind of have an interesting staff where they have three or four really good pitchers but no defined ace. Ironically, Nick Parker, a Coastal Carolina transfer, if you remember that name, it's because he threw a complete game against ECU in last year's regional. He is now one of UVA's best pitchers. I would think UVA would try and save him for game two. Uh, so that could be a familiar name we see on Saturday if ECU and Virginia both win. But my thing is, you know, you look at this staff, Philip, and this, the roles are still somewhat undefined going into the postseason, which I think is, is maybe a good thing for ECU because it allows you to play matchups. It allows you to mix and match. I think you could start Gross Friday. I think you could start Savage Friday. I think you could start, um, you know, if you really wanted to go off the wall, you could bring back Carter Spivey in the rotation. You know he's going to throw strikes. He has starting experience. Garrett Saylor has been a starter and a reliever. Where does he fall in this mix? I mean, he went out and pitched the game of his life on Saturday against South Florida. My only concern with him is he threw it Saturday and he threw 111 pitches the most in his career, do you really want to bring him back on short rest and throw him Friday? So really just it's fascinating to me because there's so many options. I mean, Danny Bill is a bullpen guy, but he can go five, six innings uh, at any point. Same thing with Spivey if he's not starting. Zach Root has been a starter. Do you bring him out of the bullpen this weekend? There's just so much at play. The good news is I think you have a pocket of – seven, eight arms, Philip, that you really trust going into this postseason. I don't think there's a lot of teams in the country that have that same luxury. Well, I think one of the other things that's nice that a lot, a lot of other teams have is, you know, we've talked about on this show before, Some it is different mentally prepping to be a starter as opposed to a reliever. And you just mentioned a few guys there that may not be six or seven inning guys, but can start and throw the same when they start as opposed to when they come out of the pen. And those guys are Danny Bill and Zach Root. So those are guys that you may see come out of the pen Friday. And if you need them to go out there and start on Sunday, especially if you end up having to play two Sunday, you know, and go go out there and throw three innings in a starter role, they can very much do that. So I think ECU is in a great situation. You also mentioned there's not as defined roles. Yeah, that does make it. It makes it more in, interesting, maybe a little harder to manage if you're Cliff Godwin, but in a way it makes it easier, too, because if a kink gets thrown in something, hey, who cares? We had multiple kinks thrown in things last weekend. Is that Cliff Godwin there? Is that somebody running out to the mound? Yeah. That's somebody running out yep. the mound for Friday start. I don't know who it is. But, um, yeah, no, I think that we are really in a really good situation with this pitching. Obviously, Wyatt Lunksford Shinkman is not someone who – starts but is a guy that can come in and eat three or four innings and pitch very well. So Jake Hunter's even started, not that you're considering him for a Friday start, but there's many starters and many guys that can go out there and get you multiple innings. This team does not have a lot of this guy only gets you one inning type guys. Yeah, I mean that's I think that's a good thing too, because if Friday let's say you try to go somebody basically non you savage to me. Like your savage is your ace Yep. Whether it's bullpen or starter, he's your he's your guy. So like, if you go Nanya Savage with whoever, and that person struggles in the first second inning, you can go straight to Danny Bill. It wouldn't be ideal, but Danny Bill can pitch you into the fifth sixth inning and give you a chance to win the game. So uh, there's multiple ways to play it, uh, and I'm sure those conversations going on behind closed doors are fascinating. And 
they're going to look at Oklahoma. The one thing that stands out about Oklahoma, and I said this on the podcast last night, Philip, Oklahoma only has hit 44 home runs as a team, which is not a lot at all, especially in this year's college baseball where home runs are up. But four, uh, 404 on base percentage with just a 283 batting average, so they walk a ton, and they also steal bases, 109 stolen bases and 142 attempts. The good news is you got Justin Wilcoxon, who has been great at throwing runners out all year. But that, to me, says you want a pitcher who's going to pound the zone and not give them any free passes because I think they're going to thrive on that, similar to how ECU does. ECU takes a lot of walks as well, so you kind of have uh, have to think about that too. So I don't know. It's just it's, it's very interesting. That's why, you know, look at a guy like Spivey who doesn't walk a lot of people, pitches the contact, and maybe he plays a role somewhere in Friday's game. Um, but there's a lot of pitchers on staff that kind of fit that mantra. Uh, Philip, from a position player standpoint, and you could go in a lot of directions here, is there a guy you kind of circle that say, hey, the ECU really needs this player in particular to have a big, you know, regional weekend for the Pirates to advance? Is there anybody that stands out there? Yeah, I'm going to go with the guy who's leading the team in average in Carter Cunningham. This is a guy who started at the beginning of the year, lost that starting job, and has really come on strong. And it seems like as Carter Cunningham goes, this team goes. You know, Josh Moylan has been consistent. Yes, JJC has been a little up and down, and it would be great to see him get going. But I really have liked the job Carter Cunningham has done a lot lately. And uh, that, as well as whoever is in that DH role, whether it's Luke Nowak, whether it's Cam Clunch, you are batting in the heart of a very packed part of the lineup, and um, you've just got to come out there and produce and keep things going by batting around guys like Carter Cunningham and Josh Moylan. So those are kind of my big ones, whoever's the DH and Carter Cunningham. Yeah, definitely fair points. And I think the biggest thing for me, and obviously there are position players that I think need to have a big regional. I think Jacob Starlin jumps to mind because he's kind of been your clutch. He's been clutch in the postseason the past two years, including sure. this year's conference tournament. So I think he's a guy who's going to have to provide a big moment or two. But defensively, to me, is the key. Whether it's Oklahoma, we talked about the walks, whether it's Army, but definitely Virginia. If you get matched up with Virginia at any point. They are so good, Philip, offensively. I mean, just these numbers. They are batting 334 as a team, 429 on base percentage. They have hit 72 home runs. They've got four guys with double-digit home runs. Uh, Jake Geloff, 22 bombs. Kyle Teal, 12 home runs. Ethan O'Donnell, 12 home runs. Ethan Anderson, 11 home runs. But my point is, you cannot give this team extra outs. And that has been a problem at times for ECU baseball this year. And I'm talking not even plays that are scored air or that aren't scored errors. You know, those those tough plays have to be made. You have to make those tough plays. The good news, Philip, uh, Virginia has a grass field, I believe. So uh, we don't have to deal with turf this weekend. Thank goodness. It does seem like that's where most of our errors come is on the turf. But, no, you're right. You can't give them extra outs, and you just can't give them extra guys on base. I mean, even if it's, you know, the first batter of the inning and you commit an error and the next guy hits a two-run shot, there's a big difference in a two-run shot and a solo shot. Like a lot of baseball people say, including Coach Godwin, solo shots don't kill you. However, there's multiple run home runs. That's what loses you a baseball game. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a, a very good possibility East Carolina is going to give up a home run uh, to Virginia if they face off. Like last year, 
Virginia hit a solo home run, and it didn't end up beating ECU. In fact, the Pirates only had six hits, but only gave up six to Virginia last year against many of these same guys. So uh, interesting to note, last year in the one game ECU played Virginia, Garrett Saylor pitched one in the third inning, gave up no hits, but did allow a run on a walk with two Ks. Carter Spivey pitched two innings, giving up no runs, working around three hits. So you do have a couple of arms that have faced Virginia in live action. That's not even including in the scrimmages, which, of course, we don't get those numbers, but the staff does. So the familiarity there is going to be critical because I think both teams will know how to pitch each other, what the staffs look like, the philosophies are. So, But, hey, you got to beat Oklahoma to even worry about it. So we'll uh, we'll talk about that and a whole lot more. All right, let's take our second break on the other side, Philip. Let's get into the rest of the field. We've talked a lot about East Carolina. Let's look at some of the other regionals on the other side, what we like, what we don't like. Should NC State have gotten in the tournament? We'll discuss that. They are in, and we'll, we'll talk about where they're going. All right, you're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Back to Hoist the Colors with Stephen Iko. Hang up with me, Aussie Joe On 94.3 The Game. In May 30th edition of Hoist the Colors, we are running through, of course, the Charlottesville Regional. And now we're going to take a look at the rest of the field. We talked about what ECU faces for about the past 40 minutes. If you've missed any of it, go check it out. We'll have it archived. YouTube, Facebook, IBX Media app, also uh, or wherever you get your podcast too. So Philip Pilkington is alongside, and Philip, I know you were busy with your uh, your NASCAR race this weekend. I don't know how much you got to follow, kind of the the revelation of the field of sixty four, but ton of uh, I don't want to say a ton of surprises, but a few surprises that NC State made the field. Maybe it wasn't a surprise because the committee just seemed to go straight RPI this year. They're in Columbia as a three seed. They're facing Campbell at South Carolina, which should be a great matchup. Going off uh, what you've seen with the rest of the field, does any other regional really catch your eye that you're going to be trying to follow this weekend? Yeah, no, to your to your uh, point there, I did have to wait till about this morning to go and look at everyone's regional. But, you know, one of the ones that I kind of find intriguing is the one in Stillwater. Uh, you know, Dallas Baptist was viewed to be a host there until the waning moments, really, and it's probably because they lost their conference tournament. might have been one of the reasons they didn't host. Obviously, everybody says that the Pac-12 was down, but, hey, they got five teams in. Washington is that three. And then a lot of people have been talking about Oral Roberts this year, so that was uh, that's kind of the first one that catches my eye, as well as the one with Indiana State. And obviously, Carolina going all the way down as a three seed. I think that that is a stacked regional there with Indiana State, Iowa, and North Carolina. Yeah, the the Oral Roberts baseball team is no joke. So Oklahoma State has got its work cut out for them. They have uh, 46 wins, I believe, Oral Roberts does. I don't care who you're playing. You win 46 games, you got a good baseball team. Uh, DBU should be pretty ticked off after not getting a hosting spot. Interested to see how Tulane does at LSU. Like, Tulane is a 40-loss team, and I'm – you know, they, they they won the championship. I still say that they don't deserve to be in the tournament because I feel like the conference shouldn't even let them in the conference tournament. They were so bad, but they're in. And to be honest, they have more talent than basically almost all the rest of the four seeds, and they're clicking at the right time. So if I'm LSU, I'm a little nervous in that game. It'll be interesting to see what they do with Skeens, their ace. Do they pitch them game one or try to save them for Oregon State, Sam Houston in game two? 
North Carolina, I think, caught a break outside of the fact Iowa's pitching staff is legit, specifically their Friday night guy throws about 103 miles an hour. If they can get past that game, I think they can win that regional. Indiana State's beatable. Uh, the other one for me that was a a surprise was Auburn. Auburn being a 13 seed with 34 wins, I don't think it's a coincidence that their athletic director is the head of the NCAA selection committee. Philip, that uh, I don't know, man. Thirty-four win baseball team getting a thirteen C. I'm not a huge fan of that. No, I'm not. And you know, it is clear it was an SEC bias this year. I mean, they got eight hosts, the most by any conference yeah. ever. So there is that. But yeah, I mean, I know their RPI is one point higher than Tennessee, but I think I would have liked to have seen Tennessee host over Auburn, to be honest, um, or even Dallas Baptist host over Auburn. So. That was a little shocking, but I mean, they did have a winning record in conference. They were 17 and 13, and you saw that a little bit throughout this, um, you know, this selection process where it seemed like conference record did play a decent toll in this. I mean, Carolina has that RPI of 27, and they come in 14 and 14 in league play, and that is, you know, what ended up making them, I think, drop down to a three seed, where it's a team like Iowa that comes from a much weaker Big Ten is the two seed, despite going because or because of them going 15 and eight, it seems like in league play. So. Maybe because Auburn had a winning record in the SEC, and you know the SEC West is is pretty tough. So I, that's the only argument I got. I, I don't know what they were thinking. That's just uh, looking at the numbers here. The only trying to play the uh, devil's advocate here, I guess. Hey, that's fine. You can be Stephen A. Smith, there and I'll go. be uh, whoever is opposed by him. Now I don't even watch it. I don't. All right, let's get our final break in. Yeah, we'll get our final break in on the other side. We'll come back, wrap it up, give our final thoughts on ECU's regional. Heading into the rest of the week. You're listening to Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. Climb aboard as we set sail and hoist the colors. Armageddon! Back to the show with Steve and I go on 94.3 The Game. All right, welcome back into the show. Tuesday, May 30th. We've got a few minutes left. And uh, John Moody on Facebook wants to know the scenario of if ECU and Duke both win. Their regionals, what's the scenario for ECU to host a Super Regional? We, we addressed this earlier, Philip, might as well kind of rehash it based upon uh, those that are tuning in late. But essentially, if ECU wins and Duke wins, it goes to the NCAA committee. And teams put in a bid weeks ago for a Super Regional possibility. They look at that, they look at venues, and they kind of have to make the decision, the NCAA, it's up to them. We kind of both think if this scenario plays out, and there's a lot that has to do that has to happen for it to play out. But if it does, it'd be hard to say no to ECU's on-campus venue versus Duke hosting off-site, although at a great venue, um, and not having an on-campus stadium. But we'll see if this scenario plays out. I do think it would be a one of the more intriguing Super Regionals if somehow it does. Yeah, it would be. And, you know, I think, like you said, it comes down to – and we don't even know – or maybe we do. You can correct me if I'm wrong. But do we even know if they, in fact, put in a super regional bid at DPAP? Do we even know 100% if the Bulls would allow them to use it that weekend? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Um, I know for a fact that because the Bulls were at home for a regional weekend, they had to put in a bid to host on campus, Yeah, which ended up not mattering because Duke was not good enough to host – now, the, the Bulls are on the road for Super Regional Weekend, so you would think that they would, if allowed, 
would be able to host there. But that's something I don't know. Um, again, maybe the Durham Bulls don't even want them hosting in the middle of their season. I don't know. There's just a lot of there's a lot of play there. Yeah, the one thing that helps now is with the new minor league baseball schedule where you do play the entire week. You know, on the road, that means the Bulls will be on the road Tuesday through Sunday, and I think all minor leagues teams now take Monday off. With getting all the ESPN trucks and stuff in, there would be more than enough time, whereas in the past, if they were home midweek and then away you know, over the weekend, it probably wouldn't be a deal. So who knows? They could have gotten that DPAP bid, but, I mean, we don't even know. And I think even if, like you said, even if they did... I would hate to see him turn down an atmosphere like Clark O'Clark said. It's not only the fact that it's on campus and DPAP's not. It's just the atmosphere. If you want it to look good on TV, you want the presentation to look how it should, the jungle going crazy is going to be, even all the ECU fans that are going to show up to DPAP, we cannot show our full enthusiasm when we don't have the jungle. And, and we're at home, and, yeah, I, I just think it would be a better atmosphere all around, even if there's more people in the stands in, in DPAP as opposed to Clark O'Clark. Absolutely. It's a, uh, you know, I'm sure people are tuning in saying, why are they talking about this when ECU hasn't even played Oklahoma yet? Well, we, we get A, ask the questions. B, it's our job to talk about such things. So I'll, I'll do some research, and, you know, hopefully the scenario plays out to where East Carolina – emerges victorious and Coastal Carolina perhaps loses its regional and if it does we'll really dive into what the scenario is but until then it's just kind of speculation and the Pirates are going to have to take care of business in Charlottesville well Philip appreciate your your time on today's program it's been fun man I can't wait to, to watch some postseason baseball this weekend it is fun this is the mo- we've been doing all the speculation for three weeks now and it's fun this has been the most fun we've had in a long time because it's finally here i'm so excited man yesterday was great and uh this whole week's even gonna be better he is philip pilkington by the way so tomorrow's show we'll have scott gasper who is the director of recruiting at ecu to preview a big month ahead in june later this week we'll catch up with preston Woolup from cbs 19 to preview virginia and also talk with josh calloway from uh, Sooner Scoop, part of the 24-7 Sports Network as well, to preview the Oklahoma Sooners. We'll do that, I believe, on Friday. So, all right, let's get out of here. This has been fun, and we'll have a lot more regional preview coverage for you throughout the week as we get closer to Friday's first pitch. This has been Hoist the Colors on 94.3 The Game. This has been Hoist the Colors with your host, Stephen Igo. Tune in weekdays at noon for all things ECU sports. Get a recap of the show at 943thegame.com, on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere you get your podcasts. We're back tomorrow with more of Hoist the Colors on 943 The Game.